In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 270. That's right. Why is this one special? It is special because, technically speaking, this is the one the, the 100th regular, at least numbering-wise, the 100th episode since Chad and I took over. <laughs> 100 number episodes within three years. Uh, we I were, guess that's pretty good. We were on up and – and this isn't pointing fingers. This is just stating it as what it is. We, we Up until pretty much maybe mid-fall, we were in a really good clip, I think, compared to where overall looking at maybe even going back to where Jim and Dan were. At that point, I think we were really on a good clip to maybe even eclipse the number of episodes in the same period of time that they had. But we still, that's it's still pretty good, especially when you factor in your spinoff and and my spinoff and special episodes and things like that. So I think, and yeah, so I I, I still think that that's that's pretty good because from twenty and a little and a little over three years, a little over three years. Yeah, and and we didn't say it, but uh, I, yeah, we didn't do anything for it actually. November was our third anniversary. Yes. See, I because I well I, eighth eighth for the show, third for you and me. It was our anniversary mark, and we forgot to celebrate. <laughs> See, originally it looked like we were going to be close if we were if our schedule had stayed kind of what it was. It looked like we would have been hitting this epi- the one hundredth you know re- numbered episode somewhere around the time we actually in real time did our first did our first. So it would have actually worked out nicely, but. Things happen, things happen in holidays and things like that. So yeah, so yep, yeah, so here we are. Uh, that vague finger is pointing at me, folks. No, I'm trying not to point anything at you. I'm sta- no, no, you. it's true. It's, it's true. It's mostly true that it's been on your end, but not exclusively. <laughs> it's been tough. Let's be honest. For, for both for both of us, schedule has not been easy in the last like let's say two and a half two and a half months, especially the last two months. Obviously, my schedule will be opening up a little bit, but we won't go into details on that yet. <laughs> uh, so, but um, yeah, so this is this is this is the big 100th anniversary episode f- for us. So that's that's kinda, that's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. And, and it's because it's the 100th, we decided to do something sort of callbacky, right? That's why we did this. Yes, we. There, there were original. We have a bunch of ideas and had ideas for making the 100th, you know, issue episode 270 something, a bigger topic. Let's say uh, that was the original goal. But again, as we fell further behind, then it became, you know, we just, it, it didn't become as as realistic to be able to pull it together because it was harder to schedule in in advance. So this is going. We decided this would be our uh, 2017 movie preview episode. 
since we began with the lists in episode 170. So we might as well not it wasn't it wasn't a movie list, right? It was a, wasn't it was a, like a toy list or something. I think. Yeah, the top t- top five we own and top five we wish what, we wish owned. we owned. So yeah, so that's not quite the same topics, but it's in the same vein, and it is another list episode. And since we always do a movie preview episode, and we and obviously getting it out in January is is the optimal time. Uh, so here we are. Well, so. yeah, not not just not to mention. So the first episode we did was that episode we just talked about. Then we just went straight into an ass ton of reviews, like six review episodes back to back. Yeah, because we had and to then, catch, cause we had to catch up. Yeah, and then we decided to take a break by you suggesting an episode and then me suggesting an episode. And you were first up. And the first one you suggested was a movie preview. That is so, true. So technically it's one of your first suggested episodes. Which is really ironic because you're the one who suggested doing. You're the one who brought this back onto the table because <laughs> I, I actually had slipped my mind about doing this sometime in January because we were trying to catch up. But when you mentioned it, it's like, oh, as soon as you mentioned it, it's like, ah, the gong kind of went off. That really probably will be episode should be episode two seventy now based on what's likely to be recorded soon. <laughs> All right, so we are going to do what we normally have done in these types of episodes. Mark and I each have a top five. Um, that we're going to go from five to one, and we also have a kind of, you know, an interested in list as well as what do you call this one, Mark? The five pounds of monkey crap list. It can, the, the pound, the poundage can change. To <laughs> but let's just stick the five. Let's just stick with the five pounds of monkey crap list. <laughs> your 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 poundage of fecal matter may vary. Uh, it's 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 been three, it's been ten, and now it's I guess five. So. All right, that's that's our the movies we can could care less about slash could care less about maybe we'll end up seeing in the movie theater right. anyway. Yeah, it's like an asterisk. It doesn't mean we're not. It, for me, any let me speak for myself. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to actually see it. It means that my enthusiasm for seeing it is really, 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 really low. <laughs> Depending on like some of the ones on my list. The, uh, there's at least one on my list that's almost a given I'm going to see probably on, you know probably on Thursday night when it comes out but is my enthusiasm am I really excited pumped up for it thinking it's gonna be good no so that's 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 kind of my that's kind of my criteria uh, I definitely have a lot more in the middle of the road this year I think the extremes for me are relatively small this year and mark and this year we had a lot of duplicates uh, so Mark and I are going to have more to say about each other's stuff. So uh, who's first, Mark? You want to go first? Who want me to go first? You go first. Because I, <clears throat> I have 5A and 5B because I cheated because I thought you were going to – I thought originally you were going to get one of the ones – one of the ones we had in common. I thought you were going to take both. You took one, so then I didn't want to leave it off the list, so I kind of shoehorned it back in. But you go. You start. <clears throat> All right. Well, so – so what, what I'm going to do – actually, I'm, I'm going to throw a wrench in the works. Let's, let's okay. try something else. Sure. We're, we're, I'm going to say what my number five is, and then you say what your number five is, and then we'll go into the whys. That makes sense. Good idea. All right. So my number five is Justice League. Okay. So my, I'm going to give you my 5A and 5B. Uh, okay. I have Kong Skull, uh, Kong Skull Island, and I have Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay, so Justice League. Why is it number five, and why is it kind of up in the air? 
Well, I did have Wonder Woman on this list, and that's we're just going to throw her in the interested in pile. I'll get to it later. Yeah, that's where um, she is in mind, too. But the Justice League movie, it's in my top five, but at the bottom because, let's face it, the DC history cinematically recently has not been very good. Um, now, I will say that for those out there... Uh, that are staunch fans of the DC universe, uh, cinematically speaking, I do agree with a lot of you. I think a lot of in the negativity towards those films and, and the franchises as a whole is, you know, negative media driven because you do see, like, what was it? Suicide Squad made how much money? Like, it's, I mean, it's re- financially a pretty successful movie according to all the stuff I've been seeing from, uh, the staunch supporters of the DC cinematic universe. Uh, I will say, though, I went to Best Buy the other day, total tangent, and there were an ass ton of copies of Suicide Squad out there, <laughs> uh, just sitting on the shelves, so we'll see. Um, but, I mean, it's the Justice League. I mean, this, this, for the same reason that Batman vs. Superman was kind of on my list, it, Justice League's on my list, because it'll be Batman and Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman and Wonder Woman all on one screen. And we're assuming, of course, Superman at some point and maybe Green Lantern, you know, later at the end of this movie or at the end of Justice League 2 or whatever. Green Lantern is going to be a part of it. It's just a matter of when. But, I mean, the the more you add, the more I'm going to be curious and want to see it on the screen because (sighs) come hell or high water, the DC Universe is my comic universe i mean i gotta see it um do i anticipate it being a blockbuster success it may dominate the boss office the first couple opening weekends but i think it's gonna be you know time will tell whether or not it stays in that spot um but it doesn't matter because it's the justice league for the first time in live action on the big screen i've got to see it i've got to be there so We'll see. I hope it works out. The trailers have good moments, and the trailers have eh, <laughs> moments. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. Uh, it's again, it's it's a lot of we'll see, but uh, it's again, you know, coming down to right down to it, it's the Justice League on the big screen in live action. I, I have to be there. The Justice League is the movie I was referring to on my five pounds of monkey crap list. <laughs> it is a movie I am sure I will be seeing. Uh, that's in November, right? I'm trying. I'm getting trying to. I'm, uh, yeah. I have release dates for some of my interested in movies, but not on not for my top five for oh, some stupid reason. I eleven seventeen. Uh, I'm just. I I was looking at that because I wanted to see what was coming out after it to see how likely it was to have a decent. It, if it's really popular, it'll have at least, uh, was it two weeks here? I'm looking at this. It'll, it, actually, it could have, yeah, it could have maybe two to, two to three weeks max because Star Wars comes out on the, on the December 15th. So that, that's gonna kill it no matter what. <laughs> uh, yeah, so JLA is, is on my, is on my five pounds of monkey crap list. I uh, yes, I will see it on opening day. In all likelihood, I'm definitely going to see it. Am I enthusiastic for it? Not in the least. Uh, I don't. I've kind of made it clear I don't like the whole Momoa Aquaman look. I don't like it. I don't buy it. Uh, the Flash costume looks bad. Uh, I'm. Not, I not really. I don't really see Ezra Miller as Ezra Miller as acting like Barry Allen like. I don't see that at all. Uh, 
I'm not a huge cyborg fan, even in the comic books. So I'm not. I don't like. I, I'm kind of being old school here. I don't. I, I know in the New Fifty Two land that that he's one of the founding members of the Justice League, but we all know that he's not, and they've been kicking a lot of other members out to ha- put him in. Uh, now, that, I still would be okay with that, and that would guarantee Hal's going to be the Green Lantern in the Justice League, but the mere fact that Hal's seemingly not going to be in this movie, if he is, he's going to be in at the end, that still bothers me. Uh... The, the whole, everything we see about you know, Steppenwolf being the villain seems like a really bad choice of way to go. For <laughs> Talk about anticlimactic. Yeah, it seems really, if that's true, that's really, really, really bad. I So I don't, and of course bringing back Jesse Eisenberg, supposedly a Lex Luthor, though that could of course just be a cameo, we don't know, but that's not really pumping most people's. It's not pumping most people's nads, that put it that way, to bring him back in certainly so soon. Ben Affleck's Batman, to me, is still the highlight of all this. Gal Gadot, maybe. Wonder Woman again. Yeah, she's on my in my middle-of-the-road list. Let's see. Let's see how she does. I think Wonder Woman and, Wonder Woman and Batman, based on the, everything we've seen about this movie so far, are, are the highlights. And I think Batman is still the best thing they have going for them. You know, that's probably why they keep quick. Now everything you hear about them kicking the can down the road a little bit for the Batman movie, not trying to rush it out, is probably as, it, as easy as it would be to rush a movie out like that because you know it's going to be make money, boom, boom, boom. It's smart because the best, probably the best thing they have going right now and all their characters fitting the role and everything else, it's, it's, it's probably Affleck's take on Batman overall. So let's not rush it. And plus, they're allowing themselves what they haven't done so far, which is they're allowing themselves to be able to to take a breath, potentially, after Justice League comes out, however people react to it, not already have a movie in the can or have a movie just about to start filming, right? (laughs) in case people hate this one, and then you're locked into the same thing that happened with Justice League, where the movie was literally filming like a week or two after Batman vs. Superman came out, and then they caught all holy hell across from fans and from critics about that movie. So I think that's part of it, too, stepping back and allowing some alteration of the game plan, being more flexible instead of having to you know, change things on the fly. We saw them try to do that with Suicide Squad 2, uh, having to do you know more reshoots than they probably would have done because they, whether that was directly related to BVS or whether that was related to the fact that the final product didn't didn't really match the tone of the trailer. Either way, they're allowing themselves more cushion, so I think that's smart. Do I really want to? I don't have a lot of faith in this movie. I don't think anybody should have a lot of faith in this movie, but again, if everybody goes in with expectations being low, then who knows? Maybe may, may, that's usually when you can surprise people. So, Yeah, my expectation is to see the Justice League on the screen. Yes, I think so. I would I would agree, even though I think some of, the, some of the enthusiasm for that was definitely siphoned off with Batman versus Superman, yeah. I think. Um, Spider. Let's do Spider-Man: Homecoming. It's the it's the easy, it's the easier one to do. Uh, you mean uh, you mean Iron Man three point eight? Yeah. Because Civil War was Iron Man three point five, so this is going to be Iron Man three point eight. <laughs> which which would still make three point five and three point eight two of the the second the second and third best Iron Man movies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's be fair. I will actually watch, even though I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I watched it on fast forward on Amazon Prime because they added Iron Man in for free over the last few weeks. 
let's go back and be honest. I mean, Iron Man is always going to be high in my Marvel movie list, even though it's going to get knocked, keep getting knocked down the more good movies come out. It's always going to be high in my list because of the relevance of it and how good Robert Downey Jr. was in that role. Oh my God, as we talked about this brief tangent. We talked about this when we saw when we did Civil War about how old Robert Downey Jr. looked. I don't know if it was necessarily during the the, the uh, commentary, but when we did the ep- regular episode, you go back and you watch Iron, the original Iron Man, you do see how young he was, how young he looked. He still wasn't young. I think he was still like around 40 when he did that, but he looked so much younger, which is amazing considering his lifestyle and everything he's been through, that he actually looked that good even around at 40. But let's be honest about the original Iron Man. That wasn't the best movie either. It was, it was, a, it was funny. He was, he was great in that role, but the movie itself was not great i mean it 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 and they've all the iron man it had it had one job yes and it did it worked but and all the and all and all the iron man movies have had pretty subpar villains so but yes the the big selling points for spider-man homecoming obviously we know tom holland did a really good job in civil war at least capturing the true tone kind of like the peter parker tone the spider-man tone especially with the with the quips and everything else uh and and being a little more peter parker like than let's say uh, Andrew Garfield. Most people thought Garfield was okay, was really was good at Spider-Man, but they didn't think his Peter Parker necessarily was, you know, really good. So Holland's a draw. We already seen what he can do. People liked it. We liked. The, I like the fact that even with some of the clips you've seen, how they're going to fit that into continuity-wise, where this, you know, so how, you know, when he gets the upgrade from Tony Stark, obviously occurs somewhere in this movie <laughs> when he starts using the more the more advanced suit. That's a big plus. Tony Stark, you know, being in this movie, Robert Downey Jr. being in this movie, though, of course, we don't know how long, how much he's going to be in this movie. That is, that's a plus. It always adds, you know, comic relief. It always adds the connect, connective tissue. Plus that scene at the last, at the end of the the current trailer when Spider-Man and Iron Man are, you know, flat. Flying and swinging side by side at the end is pretty awesome. I mean, come on. Who, who would yeah, nice, nice of Tony to throttle it back so he can, so Spidey yeah. can keep up with him, yeah. right? So having Michael Keaton be the Vulture—that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's cool because we know. I mean, Michael Keaton certainly can play dark, and we've seen that before. And it's not good kind of bringing him back into the you know comic book movies, traditional mainstream comic book movies, and doing that. That, that that's that's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. Finally, a take and somewhere same Raimi's banging his head against the wall. Like, fi- I was like finally, finally they're getting to do the Vulture, man. Even though, of course, based on his Vulture, probably wouldn't be. I'm gonna go out on the limb and say his Vulture probably wouldn't be as cool as the Vulture we're gonna get. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested. It's kind of it's kind of nice to see Peter Parker being you know being having an actor more or less the right age playing Peter Parker and having him being still in high school I think that's smart especially going forward that's smart because that means you can get a lot of mileage out of the same actor for a long time if he if both both parties agree you don't have to worry about recasting this role probably for a long time so uh, yeah I I am look I am looking forward to to Spider-Man Homecoming greatly yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I was kind of commenting as you went, um, but yeah, Michael Keaton is the main draw for me. The only reason it didn't make my top five, Mark, Mark mentioned he amended his list. There, there are two movies that I had on mind that he was willing to just give me, uh, and Spidey was one of them. But Spidey didn't make it into my top five. I'm excited by the movie. I want to see it, um, but. 
you know, Spider-Man has never been one of my top favorite characters. I enjoy him. (laughs) I enjoy him. I enjoy him. I know a lot about him. Uh, I get excited when I see the movies. Uh, I know I know a lot about his universe. You know all this stuff, but it's just never been one of those like, oh hell yeah, kind of movies for me. I know that prior movie preview episodes kind of have me pointing towards things like you know the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies is something exciting, but to be honest, that was more about spectacle than anything. Um, the there are aspects of the Spidey. Uh, side of the Marvel Universe I really love, obviously, like Venom and stuff like that. Um, and for those of you who are fans of the old cartoon series, you know, Firestar, but she's more of a mutant than anything. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, the things that uh, excite me about this movie are more tangential. The t- I want to see what Tony Stark's role is. I want to see what Michael Keaton as the Vulture is going to be like. Tom Holland was a good Spider-Man in Civil War, but I've watched Civil War multiple times over the since it, since it came out, and the more and more I watch it, the more I'm not unconvinced of Tom Holland as Spider-Man because he did a great job, and I do look forward to seeing more of his portrayal as that character. But he hasn't. I realized I was sort of caught up in the uh, in the hype of everybody talking about how good we finally got this Peter Parker, this version, so on and so forth instead of me personally looking at it and going, do I buy it? And I do to an extent, but I'm not yet convinced enough to where I'm like, oh, hell yeah, this movie's going to be the Spider-Man movie it should be. Because I don't think there was enough Tom Holland or Spider-Man in that movie to convince me in the first place. The stuff I saw was good. I'm not doubting that. It's just, for me personally, there wasn't enough there to convince me. So, yeah, so my draw is other things plus a curiosity to see how this actor in this role and the way they're writing this role works. Because let's be honest, the side of Peter Parker and Spidey that you saw in Civil War, all told, is still a very small sliver of the whole that the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man is supposed to be. It's a very small part of it. You got some quips and you got his relationship with Aunt May and, you know, his kind of tech genius stuff. But it was all very small slivers of each of those aspects of his personality. And there wasn't enough of the whole there to convince me that this whole movie with this particular actor would 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 suck me in. And I'm going to go see it and I'm going to be excited to see it. But my excitement comes from things other than Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And the supporting cast still makes me nervous um, because it just doesn't feel like he's moving beyond the racial casting of this or that or the ethnic this or that. The reality is there isn't anything off that vibe. Uh, there isn't anything that really gives you the vibe that these characters are supposed to be who they're supposed to be or who they've always been. So just think that once we see him and play the roles and once you see who's playing what really – then maybe maybe it becomes more concrete and you can and you can see it you can see the relationships or the you know, kind of like but we'll see uh, but yeah I it's it's more the Robert Downey Jr. and the Michael Keaton connection that's what makes that's what makes me interested in Spider-Man um, 
For, for Kong Skull Island, I think I'm just purely fascinated by a King Kong movie in which you already know going in that he's not going to die. That al- that alone that alone makes me curious about seeing, <laughs> especially since there's other movies on this list in which you are l- less confident about certain characters that are going to make it out that have been around. I would say Kong's. I am interested in seeing how they explore the mythology of the island, how they try to connect the tissue to Godzilla on that level to build towards that movie. But I am, I do like the idea that it's a Kong movie that you can pretty much take to the bank. He's not dying. In. You may mm. you may think they could come up with some you know way where you might think maybe he is just to give you that thing in the credits to show that he's not. But but the reality is we know what their plans are. We know that, you know you're not bringing him back to kill him off. Plus it's not your traditional King Kong story, so it would make sense they wouldn't kill him off. Plus who wants to kill off King Kong anymore? I mean he's got it's it's, it's been it's been done. It's sad. We, there's no point. There's no point in doing it. How about how how about giving you more of the story, man? <laughs> So. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, the the trailers uh, look great. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. And I just now thought about this. I think part of my issue with that movie is the comedy. Oh right, like like Riley. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that. I don't I don't hate that actor. I mean, I do enjoy him on a lot of that stuff. But when I was watching that trailer for the first time, I, I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be like a dramatic sci-fi horror-ish King Kong. And then those that then Riley pops up and I'm like, oh shit. There's comedy in here. And I, I guess it's gonna depend on how much comedy is gonna be in this movie. Because I was excited for the movie up until the point Riley popped up. <laughs> and, and 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 don't don't get me wrong, I, I do enjoy uh, I do enjoy it's John C. Right, John C. Yeah, Riley. Yeah, I do enjoy John C. Riley, and I think that a lot of movies nowadays do have comedic elements to them that don't necessarily detract from the whole of the movie, uh, and it's still a good flick. But it's just as soon as he popped up, I was like, ah, there goes that whole dramatic sci-fi horror tension I was thinking this movie would have. And this movie could very well still have it and have some comedy bits, but it, again, it's going to end up being how much comedy is involved. I'm also not sold on Tom Hiddleston as the action hero. I yeah, think, I think that's going to be tricky too to pull off. I, I mean, it's got to. It, let's put it this way: the cast of this movie is not its strongest draw, and probably that would make sense if they've had to recast like multiple roles roles in this movie since it was originally announced so what was it actually wasn't this a, wasn't this one of the movies that i thought michael keaton was on was attached to at one point i think uh, i thought he might have remember been. uh but yeah they've they've swapped this out so that that makes me a little nervous uh unless they're gonna have samuel you can bleep this out if you want but at least they're gonna unless they're gonna have samuel jackson at one point that's it i've had it with this motherfucking ape on this motherfucking island <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your comic relief right there. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, it's setting it in the '70s. Kind of is is interesting, uh, which I guess is not 100% unique because actually, you know, the the 1976 the Dino De Laurentiis remake was actually set in the '70s. So, I, but I don't know. I I think that, that that's intriguing onto itself the way they're setting it since this movie is supposed to take place like in the '70s, but yet. Obviously, we have to jump forward at some point to get into 
since the Godzilla movie clearly was taking place in modern times. So, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this this all relates. I'm not saying I have great I have great faith in this movie, but I, I do have an interest. But it, it, it I had enough of an interest in this movie where I made my top five. Barely. Yeah. All right, number fours. Good. My number four is Kingsman Golden Circle. That's on my middle list. I did like the first one. Your number four? My number four is Fate of the Furious, or Fast 8, Furious 8, whatever the hell you want to call it this week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Kingsman. Uh, I don't – is there even a trailer for the second one out yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, so – all you got to go on is just the fact that it's a sequel to Kingsman. Uh, Kingsman, I mean, there's so many great scenes in that movie. Uh, the way they did it, it had some com, and when I say comical, I mean like comic book aspects to it, like the way people's heads exploded and the little fireworks and the color and stuff like that. That was kind of dumb, uh, but it was it was still cool. The the speaking of Samuel L. Jackson, yes. the villain the, the the villain that he played was sort of comic book ish um the the action sequences and fighting was awesome uh particularly that scene in the church i mean my god people still talk about that scene right so uh but i mean i don't know there's i don't have much to say about it because obviously there's no trailer out for it yet that i'm aware of i don't even remember when it comes out i think it's later on like towards the middle of the year uh which is odd i guess that we haven't seen at least something about it um but uh, I, I don't know. Just based on the f- yeah, say so, well, yeah, towards the end of the year. So not not that surprising. We haven't seen anything about it yet. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm I'm stoked uh, to to see it. It's gonna be, and now it could be one of those things where it's just trying to capitalize on the success of of the original, and it's one of those sequels that just will never live up to the original, uh, just because they're chasing the money. But uh, I don't know. I think it's been long enough between the first Kingsman and this one that they've, you know, if, if they put some thought in it, they've had enough time to put some thought into it. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to see it. And actually that movie, I mean, it it isn't that long ago since it came out, really. Not, I mean, not too long ago. It was 20, it was 2015. Um, so, but I did like the first one. I thought it was good. They probably they made a mistake in killing off Colin Firth's character. They really shouldn't have done that. <laughs> uh, but it was it was a it was a good cast. It worked. It was a cool concept. I'm looking for uh, like I said, it's in it's in my middle of the road list. It, it was it's high in my middle of the road list to be honest with you, based on everything else that's on in that list, uh, other than probably. Uh, well, I'll mention this when you me- – I'm sure it's in your top five, so when you mention it, I'll mention it. Uh, it's, it's pretty high on the list. Uh, for, for for Fate of the Furious, I think I've made it clear when we've done these shows before, ever since ever since Fast Five, ever since they brought The Rock into it pretty much, which that wasn't just because they brought The Rock into it. They kind of – I think once – that kind of changed the way the series was going instead of just doing all mostly street – not purely just street racing, but they kind of made it much more of a heist and and uh, you know 
like secret, almost like a Mission Impossible kind of aspect to it. Once they kind of changed that through five and going forward, that really, that really caught my, grabbed my interest. I like the way they've added to the cast and brought in some cool, you know, they, they had Kurt Russell in the last one and this one, Jason Statham in that, in that one and this one, Natalie Emanuel, yum yum from uh, the Game of Thrones in the last one and in this one. Uh, I do like the, I was interested to see it before. I'm curious, oh, Charlize Theron is the bad guy, bad girl, obviously, in this one. And I do like, based on the way the trailers came out, obviously, with with uh, Vin Diesel, supposedly, on the surface anyway, looking like he he betrays everybody and goes bad, goes rogue. That That's intriguing enough to figure out what, to make you wonder what's really going on if you're a fan of the series. So, yes, it's, 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 a, it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, that's that's a guilty pleasure. I, I didn't actually didn't say the release dates for mine, and I, which was dumb because I, I actually did take the I did actually write them down. Uh, Spider Man is seven seven seventeen, uh, Kong Skull Island is three ten seventeen, and Fate of the Furious is four fourteen. Um, so I know you're not a, you you're not really into those movies, but which I can understand. I, I, I like the first one. I remember fondly the second one. The the second Too Fast Too Furious was. It wasn't nearly as good as the first one, but I it, I kind of have a guilty pleasure. Uh, it's a guilty pleasure spot for for me for that movie. I never saw Tokyo Drift, and I saw the fourth one. I might have seen the fifth one. I don't remember, uh, but I definitely haven't seen any ones after the fifth one. So, I mean, I, I'd be interested in it if I had continued right. watching all of them and liked them all, but. I, for whatever reason, because I really do enjoy, especially the first one, I, I really enjoyed that world and what it set up. Um, and I did enjoy seeing that world be reentered to when Vin Diesel came back. It was in the fourth one, right? Yes. Yeah, when Vin Diesel came back in the fourth one. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is about that franchise that hasn't hasn't sucked me in so much that I'm just like, I got to see the, these other, the other ones. Maybe I just feel like it's an action franchise that's just gotten out of control, and 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 not not to the level. And and I have no no nothing to back it up with, but it's like an action franchise, like The Expendables or something, where it's like let's just add more badasses to this movie, and you know, the the story suffers as a result. Which, to be fair, guys, I haven't seen any of The Expendables, so that's that's not necessarily saying much. But uh, so maybe that's a bad analogy, but. I don't know. Maybe I just feel like it's an, you know, like I said, an action franchise that just has grown too big for itself. But I have nothing to base that on. <laughs> it's, it's like I said, it's it's something that I, I, over time I've kind of gotten more into. I was never into it in the beginning, and I certainly couldn't. I sometimes you know you just happen to catch one and you watch one and, and it changes your mind or intrigues you enough. Uh, I actually saw the end. I saw most of. Most of four, I think, I saw, and that's what got me into. That made me want to see five. That made me somewhat interested in five. Once The Rock came into it, then it made it. I was really interested in it, and then once I saw five, yeah, now I'm now I'm interested in kind of like I've been interested ever since going forward. Hmm. But yeah, I'm 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 definitely intrigued by it. Maybe at some point before eight comes out, I'll probably you know. Rewatch and then finally watch those other movies. So we'll see, though. Anything else about your number four? Nah, I'm good. 
All right, number threes. For me, it's Thor Ragnarok. For me, I have Alien Covenant. I knew that'd be on your list. Uh, <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. So that's the other one that uh, at, that Mark offered me uh, along with Spidey. Um, uh, the reason I chose Thor is because I love Thor. Thor is one of my top five Marvel characters, period. Um, so I, I have to have it on the list. Plus the fact that... So they haven't released any footage from the movie that I know of yet. Um, but Hulk's going to be in it. <laughs> and they're, they're taking a Planet Hulk type uh, twist with it. And that's just going to be cool. I know it is. Uh, and can we, can we, should we say who else is going to be in it? Or, or you know, does not everybody pay attention to those articles on online as much as we do? I, th- I think you can say it. If you don't, if obviously, if you don't want to hear this, if you don't want to hear from this moment forward about other. As are members of the cast of Thor Ragnarok, skip ahead like 20 seconds. <laughs> Doctor Strange is going to be in it, uh, which, you know, kind of spoils. You, you, you can kind of tell just based on the ending of Doctor Strange, I guess. Yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Doctor Strange is going to be in it. I'm also really excited because of the, the, the main villain, or villainess, we should say, Hela. Uh, which is just yet another Asgardian uh, staple that I'm just excited to see. The fact that it's titled Ragnarok, which is has a very specific title, a very specific um, tone and meaning to the Thor comics, uh, means we're just going to be balls to the wall with Marvel cosmic and Asgardian lore uh, in this thing. And it's just going to be insane. Uh, the fact that Hela is going to be mentoring, uh, you know, uh, going to be men- uh, entering the, the 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 playing field here. It's it's just uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just stoked. I'm just stoked to see how it turns out. Um, I really hope that it's not a. Uh, I have a feeling that it might be a tone, and by tone I mean color a tonally um, dark or uh, sepia-ish type movie and more bright and colorful and more like the first Thor movie. The first Thor movie, it had its faults, but remember how colorful and crazy that movie looked? Yes. Uh, I'm, 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 and bright. I really want to see that here. Uh, I mean, obviously, I know it's Ragnarok. So, I mean, guys, for those of you who don't know, Ragnarok is this, it's, it's essentially Armageddon for Asgard. Twilight um, of the gods. Yeah. So it's it's obviously going to be a darker film, tonally in terms of emotion, uh, and 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 what it's trying to portray. But uh, I just hope that doesn't translate into dark visually. I have a feeling it's going to. Uh, specifically with the scenes with the Planet Hulk-ish stuff, since that always seems to take place in like a gladiatorial type arena, and those are usually big stone buildings with you know a sand field type of thing, field of battle, you know that kind of thing. So I I don't necessarily think we can get away from that, but I I hope there's a lot of 
color and spectacle in this film, and it doesn't get too drowned out by the serious, dark, and dire circumstances that the film necessarily has to portray. But I'm, I'm excited for it regardless. Thor was on my list. Uh, yes, that was that was one of the two that, that I kind of, as soon as we compared our lists, that I said, yeah, if you want it, you can take it. Uh, I am more excited for Ragnarok than I was for either the first Thor movie or certainly the second one. Uh, even the plot of Dark World didn't do much for me, and Dark World was not. It's not Marvel movie making at its finest. If it's not the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, it's it's certainly in the top, or I should say, the bottom two or three. It's pretty much interchangeable at this point how you rank them. But I think, I think to me, Dark World is bottom of the barrel. We're talking. It's 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 right there with like Iron Man two. Um, so it's and probably it's pro it's I think it's it's probably lower than The Incredible Hulk to me, too, Ragnarok. And yes, people do forget The Incredible Hulk is still in the cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, if Banner and Thor don't do a lot together all throughout the movie, and I'm not talking like in the gap between but it's the time it takes Thor to just, you know to bump into him the first time. But I mean, after, if, if Banner is not a consistent part of the movie slash Hulk, it's not a consistent part of the movie going forward from the time they connect. Then I'm gonna be. Then I think I could be disappointed in this movie. If, if you know, if if Hulk's only gonna be in there for, I don't know. If he's only gonna be in there for like thirty, not necessarily like real thirty minutes of screen time, but thirty minutes of the movie, he's he's in and out, and that's gonna be it. And then he doesn't factor into the ending, and he wasn't there in the beginning. That's gonna bother me. I don't think I don't think it would. I don't think the in the enthusiasm is uh it's going to be there as much for me. So I, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. We know we're getting, you know, Tom Hiddleston, we're getting Hiddleston back as Loki. That's always a plus. We know Anthony Hopkins will be back as Odin since Thor is obviously looking for Odin, which means at some point he obviously clearly figures out that Loki's still alive and Loki is the run running the show at the moment. There's still the rumor about you know plot point of view how you know the or that even though maybe more I'm trying to remember if it was confirmed in the official synopsis about Thor not having his hammer that he's hammerless so that could be that's another part of you know the mystery and maybe the quest in this movie so I I'm real I am really interested in Ragnarok and hopefully it will not disappoint since it's probably going to be the last Thor solo movie hopefully it can go out on a high note. And get that bad taste of uh, Dark World <laughs> out of everybody's mouth, but time will time will tell on that one. Um, <clears throat> so my third my th- third is Alien Covenant, and I know a lot of people had issues with Prometheus when it came out, and I'm not going to make it sound like Prometheus was perfect, and or the necessarily even the approach Ridley Scott did with Prometheus was perfect. But I appreciate Prometheus for what it was. I thought visually it was really, really an attractive movie. I thought the 3D was actually surprisingly good. That was one of the few movies I can say that I've seen in 3D over the last handful, let's say two or three years, in which the 3D was pretty good throughout the movie. That, that, that especially when they're when they're doing the mapping, when they're doing the you know the balls are doing the mapping inside the ship, and you when they realize that they are inside a ship where, where they're that 
when you know, Idris Elba and like Charlize Theron are kind of seeing, you know, the the, the hologram of, of the, the map is of the map, you know, is being created. That was cool. I so the 3D worked. I'm curious how they're going to tie it in with David and now supposedly uh, it's going to be more of a tie-in. I think there have been rumors about plot-wise. It's been back and forth. Originally, it was supposed to just pick up with David and what Elizabeth Shaw. Is that was it? Was it? Was it Elizabeth Shaw? I don't know. I don't know. I've never watched those I movies. No, I, I could be confusing her with with uh, Elizabeth with her with the role from uh, Dragon Tattoo, but it was Shaw. Um, that Naomi would pace that Naomi would pace whatever uh, that that was going to be more of a direct pickup from where Prometheus left off then supposedly just Fassbender was going to be the only returning actor and now it seems like they're at least probably going to be a cameo maybe or a flashback or something to show uh, what happened to uh, to Dr. Shaw but I'm interested in seeing how, again, building the connective tissue to to Alien. So I am interested in that. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, I'm again, some of the cast does not, you know, does not really uh, grab me. There's an actually, I don't know if there's anybody in the cast that makes me really, really excited. But but Danny McBride, that does not excite me at all. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I I I I like the series. I like Prometheus. I was a big fan of the the, the like the four. I think the four disc D, uh, D, Blu-ray, excuse me, that had a big documentary series on the making of and everything else. So I'm I'm going to give Ridley Scott the benefit of the doubt on this. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I've just never seen any of the well. I think I've over the years. I think I've seen a couple of the alien movies, but it's just I have no attachment to them, so I can't say anything. And I don't want to talk them down either because I know they're it's one of your favorite franchises. So, uh, um, so I'm just gonna move on to number two if that's all right. <laughs> Fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number two is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. My number two. Is War for the Planet of the Apes. I knew that'd be on your list. Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, I told Mark he couldn't have it <laughs> on his list because I. In, in part of the reason I know all of this stuff about like what our first few episodes were that we were talking about earlier is because I've been re-listening to uh, episodes of the Lantern Cast, but from when you and I started, uh, which is a little more difficult since I can hear my own voice a whole lot more. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I I remember very distinctly you weren't all that stoked for the first Guardians movie. Nope. Uh, you were uh, very skeptical about it. Yeah. Uh, so so I was like, so you can't you can't have Guardians two in your in your top five. I gave I I told you you could have it even when I thought when I thought it was still when I thought it was still in my list and then when I get home I I realized it was it was again one of the high that was a, along with uh, Wonder. Along with Wonder Woman and along with uh, Kingsman, it was at the top of my in the middle in the middle list. Yeah. I'm definitely more enthusiastic for, towards the sequel than I am for the first one. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So Volume Two, uh, the trailer's out and it looks fantastic. Uh, it looks like they didn't skip a beat, um, which is either a fantastic sign or a sign of they blew their load in the trailer. 
Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, cause that, that has happened before. Um, but, uh, I don't know. From baby Groot in the seat with, with rocket and then the, in the nuclear bomb. <laughs> it's like, now repeat that back to me. I am Groot. Uh huh. I am Groot. Okay. I am Groot. No! <laughs> Somebody have any duct tape? You have a nuclear bomb in your backpack. If anybody's gonna have nu- duct tape, it's gonna be you. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The, in the the scene at the very end of the trailer where she's like, "You have sexual love for her," <laughs> <laughs> and then Drax starts just freaking cracking up and says, "Like, do me, do me." I, I, I mean, the comedy's there. Uh, the music, w- I, I'm, that's one of the things I'm most excited to see is what the track list for Guardians Two is gonna be like. Uh, on the soundtrack, uh, that's going to be cool. I'm interested to see the Marvel Cinematic side of things, how that that movie's going to expand that side of things. Um, like particularly towards the end, this will be the final Guardians movie we see before we see, um, you know, the the first uh, part of the new Avengers film. Uh, yeah. So when they will they start heading towards Earth, or you know, what's going to happen there? How does this tie into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe? Um, just the the stuff with uh, that supposedly going to be happening with uh, uh, is it, is it ego or ego, ego or what are we ego ego, e- ego the living planet uh, just all that stuff and uh, involving uh, Star Lord's parentage and and things like that. It's just man, there's so much about this movie to look forward to that uh, I'm. And, and talks when I was talking about Thor Ragnarok and, and hoping you know visually color wise that it was just going to be a beautiful cosmic you know just mess of a movie. Uh, I, I, you can already tell that Guardians is going to be that uh, volume two. So I'm just I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I can't wait to see it. I am enthusiastic for it. I I really. Especially the teaser trailer. That's that's where I could tell the difference. When I saw the second, you know, when I saw the first teaser trailer for this one, the one that it, the one that ends with the little picture of Rocket looking like looking through the blast hole, and then Baby Groot just kind of like pops out from sit, sitting on his shoulder <laughs> with the little sound. <laughs> that, yeah, that that's that's where I could tell my enthusiasm, you know, was has greatly changed for the and be and for this. For this franchise in particular, and for for these characters, I'm I am more sold on it. Uh, so I am I'm definitely looking I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to that more than Wonder Woman, or more than obviously my Justice League, since that's on my my monkey crap list. Um, so War War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I. It's an interesting series to talk about for me. This, this the, the relaunch, the reboot of the series, because I think almost everybody, it's it's a great consensus that this is. If you're going to look at a a like almost like a template and how to relaunch and reboot a long term existing franchise, something that's very popular and has a lot of meaning to it, a lot of social relevance to it, from its original incarnation and trying to do it again. That you, if you're looking for a blueprint of how to do it, you take you look at how they did, you know the the you know, the uh, rise and you know rise and dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That you look at those two movies because of doing 
you know, showing enough respect and reverence to the original series and having shout outs to it, but yet kind of going off in your trying to making it its own too. So I am interested in seeing this one. I, these these movies, these movies I really like, but there's a set, there's like a sadness in some of these movies that, and I, I it's the sentimental part of me. It's the same reason why I love a movie like like Babe and Lilo and Stitch, but the sad parts bother me enough. Where as much as I love the movie and I like watching it with people who haven't seen it on my own, I don't watch these movies that often because I really don't like the sad parts. That it so it bothers me, and you know the. So that that's kind of the way I feel about about these movies, like you know, especially when they rebooted this and with Caesar and he was first taken away and had to adjust to being, you know, pretty much in in almost like the, the the prison that was kind of like the primate you know reserve or whatever that they that he was put in after he was taken away from James Franco's character. That that's that stuff's really hard for me to, and the fact that I love animals doesn't hurt you know doesn't help in this situation when it comes to the hurt. So. I'm interested in seeing how this arc plays out. You know, inevitably, based on the storyline, you kind of know where they have to end up at some point. This seems to be the this seems to be the movie that will get you to that point. Between give or take the eventual showdown, the final showdown between people and apes, regardless of how Caesar has tried to avoid getting to the point where it had to be one or the other, where they could both try to coexist. But at this point, based on everything that happens, that he kind of knows that you, that's not going to work. That is one. So I'm I'm concerned about this just because I I think it's very likely that Caesar is not going to be alive at the end of this movie, regardless of where they end up. That his story might end. The franchise won't end clearly. If this movie is successful and people like it. They'll go. They'll the plan. It will go forward. But his story arc, I think, is probably going to conclude. And that's something I'm not really interested. I'm not. I have a great, no, no great desire to see it. Though it is kind of interesting, because when you think about it, from this point of view, there aren't that many. There aren't that many movie characters that you really see, from, especially without going back and kind of retconning. Like Star Wars, they've done it retcon. But there aren't there aren't that many characters that you see almost from birth or since they were, almost since birth, going to the time they die and seeing them progress. We could see that in this planet, in this trilogy, because Caesar was a you know was was a very 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 young baby when James Franco basically had to take care of him going forward to where they are and where they end up at the end of this movie. So that's something you don't see very often. Usually you you meet somebody along the way where they've they've already developed a certain point. You, you've literally seen this character come into being and along the way. So that, I think that would make it a little more poignant and tragic. But I am interested in it, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Woody Harrelson as the bad guy kind of kind of is intriguing on, onto itself. So those are pretty much the reasons I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm not as into the Planet of the Apes franchise franchise as you. We've gotten into this a, a billion times. Anytime we do these, um, I saw. Uh, Rise. I saw Dawn, but the copy of Dawn I saw didn't have subtitles for the ape stuff. So I was kind of, unless Caesar was talking, oh. I had no idea what was going on. Oh, so you mean when they were signing, you didn't get to see what they were doing. Exactly. So I have no idea what that dialogue was. Based on context, based on the way scenes progressed, I kind of figured it out. Um, it's not entirely difficult, but I didn't, I, I, basically my experience with Donna, the, 
Is it it was Rise first, then Dawn, right? I believe so. Yes, it's confusing yeah. by the names, but I'm, yes, Rise was the Rise was the first one. Yeah. So, uh, so Dawn, uh, I saw, but I feel like I'm missing a portion of. I do like the new Planet of the Apes franchise, the stuff with Caesar. Uh, I know the trailer for War or the teaser, tra- tra- teaser trailer for War is already out, but I haven't seen it yet. The only image I've seen, of course, is is Caesar on horseback riding towards the camera in the snow. Uh, other than that, I haven't seen much for it. I'm, I doubt I'm going to see it in theaters. I'll probably wait till it hits home video to watch it. Uh, just because my my love of Planet of the Apes is, it, well, let's just say non-existent. I, I, it, it, I, I don't love the franchise, but I do. I am intrigued by it, um, but just not enough to go see it in the theaters. But I think I think what the stuff you're talking about, like the the end of Caesar's story and and kind of the bridge of how we get to what we know the Planet of the Apes is supposed to be like to where we are in this current iteration, those intrigue me enough to maybe I'll see it in theaters, but I still kind of doubt it. All right, number ones. Number ones. My number one is a movie coming out relatively soon as we record this. The Lego Batman movie. (laughs) It does look good. The trailers make it look good. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Um, it does. My number one is, of course, Star Wars Episode Eight. Yeah, Mark, maybe give it up. But yeah. Mark's the Mark's a much bigger Star Wars guy than me, so I had to give it to him. <laughs> that was a fair trade, considering all the, all the ones I gave gave to you. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so the Lego Batman movie. Uh, first of all, the Lego movie I was stoked for. Uh, back when we first did this, um, and uh, it, it proved itself. I mean, it, the Lego movie was a success on nearly every front. Uh, it revived the Lego line. Uh, I mean, just in terms of like it, just merchandise and toys. Um, the the movie itself was good. It was well done. Uh, and now they're going to go balls to the wall with just the Batman side of things. So I'm interested to see the Batman-specific side of things and the DC Universe side of things, all from the perspective of this Lego universe. I'm assuming we'll see some of the larger Lego universe, maybe some callbacks to Emmett and some of the other stuff that happened in the Lego movie, maybe. But I would not be surprised nor disappointed if the entire movie took place in just a solely DC universe type setting and like with Gotham and all that stuff. Like I'm just the, the trailers and the TV spots are all awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just uh, I'm just really stoked. I, who's who's doing the voice of Joker? See if I can find that for you. I don't. Yeah, the Joker's being voiced by somebody specific, and that people are like, "Wait, what?" Um, uh, this doesn't help. But it, but it's, but it's. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited. It, it looks great. Um, I've been excited for this basically since they announced it. Because <laughs> I remember when they first came out with the lineup, like showing. 
the DC movies from now to 2020. You know, you had the Cyborg solo film and the Green Lantern more movie and all that other stuff. But on that list was the Lego Batman movie. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And uh, now it's here, and I'm just really excited to see it. (laughs) Zach Galifianakis there. Thanks for giving me that name to pronounce. He's the Joker. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis, which is... Uh, a comedian, uh, or largely known for his comedy roles, which is interesting uh, in terms of the Joker. So, I mean, I think there was a – I've only seen, I think, one TV spot where he speaks, and he's rubbing his butt on the Batmobile, and he's like, we're going to call it the Buttmobile, yeah, or, you know, like something like that, which is, like, just ridiculous. Uh, all the costumes, stuff that Batman has, and his little – that that version of Batman and his little ego and, and stuff like that. The, the 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 Robin character and seeing how that plays out, I, it's just <laughs> it's all going to be interesting and fun, uh, and I'm just I'm really excited for the ride. And Billy D. Williams is Two Face finally. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and there's and there's Riddler's going to be in this movie too, which I don't know to what extent, but I'm excited to see that because Riddler's one of my favorite Batman villains. Rosario Dawson is Batgirl and Barbara Gordon. That's, That's right. Can't go wrong there. All right, so we'll, we'll move into which, – which actually this will segue nicely into the last thing we'll talk about today uh, on this show. So, yeah, so the number one – Well, segue kind of because we still have to go through our 10 pounds of monkey oh, crap. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Damn. It'll still – it'll kind of segue. We'll, we'll, we'll do the middle and the, and the, and the crappy list quick, quick anyway. But it, it does – there's a beat in between, but it still connects. <laughs> All right, so yeah, the final movie we're talking. Oh, then uh, what I wanted to say before I was talking about segues, uh, I want to catch back up. I, I slacked off again on, on release dates. Uh, Alien Covenant five nine seventeen, War for the Planet of the Apes seven fourteen seventeen. So that comes out a week after Spider Man, actually. So Star Wars Episode Eight comes out on December fifteenth. So clearly that movie was always going to be high on, on many people's lists, both of our lists too, uh, even before the stuff with Carrie Fisher, which, which raises the bar to figuring out what exactly, if at all, how that's going to change the plot of Episode Eight and what they already have filmed. That's going to be a question mark to see what they're, what's going to happen with that, if anything. But just move, pushing that off the table for a moment, just looking at exactly what... You know, episode eight obviously is going to be. People are interested to see, you know, Ray and Ray and Luke. See Ray's trading training with Luke. See what happens with Kylo Ren. See what even before what happened. What happened with Le- with Leia? And you know, be getting more clues about who Snoke is, how Finn recovers, stuff like that. Um, lots of rumors about this movie, and a lot of rumors make it sound like, and hopefully this is not entirely the case, or if it is. There's some curveballs thrown in that many, many rumors at least suggest this is going to follow an Empire Strikes Back-like plot. Maybe, arguably, even more than the first movie followed the Star Wars plot, the New Hope plot. Hope that's not entirely true, but I certainly there's been a there's certainly a bunch of rumors about how you know every, how Snoke and Ray or Snoke and Ren are supposed to be setting a trap to get Ray, and though of course there's also some rumors that. Uh, unlike, unlike what happened in Empire, Luke doesn't just let 
Ray go off on her own, the Luke goes with her. So instead of Ray just going to fi- walk into a trap by herself, the Luke goes with her. So we'll see. Uh, I'm very interested in seeing where this goes to see if we get any more hints about you know, you know, Ray, you know about Ray's parentage, about everything with Luke. Curious to see if there's a Yoda and or Obi Wan Jedi Jedi ghost cameo in this movie. Uh, I'm just I'm looking forward to it, especially after Rogue One. That it kind of, I think that ups the ante. That's the good thing. Episode eight was always going to be soup. people were going to look forward to a, a great deal because most people enjoyed episode seven. I don't know if episode seven holds up as much now, but a little bit of distance between it, I don't think it holds up quite as well just as a pure movie. Uh, but it got the franchise back on target. Stay on target, and people were. So people are going to be looking forward to it. Rogue One, I think, only helps that, since Rogue One, I think, has exceeded everybody's expectation for what that movie was going to do financially, and even, I think, probably critically, what it was going to do. And and, and, I, and I, that includes amongst the fans, critically, too. So I'm really, yeah, I'm, I'm Star Wars, without question, is the movie that I'm most looking forward to this year. Uh, yeah, you said it all, honestly. Um, Snoke, Finn... Who Snoke is, Finn, how he recovers, and how is because I got the feel, you know, we all got the feeling uh, that he's interested in Ray romantically, but there's still a twins there that that could just be friendship or whatever on Ray's side of things and how that plays out. That's more sophomoric type of stuff that I don't really, honestly, truly care about, but I'm curious about. Um, I want to see Luke so bad. And not just because they didn't give us any of it in in episode seven, but just because I want to see what the years have done to Luke. And you remember the type of character he was in the original trilogy. How has he changed? Is he more cynical? Is he, I mean, like, the stuff he's gone through, we, we, I mean, we assume that Kylo, you know, destroyed a bunch of younglings or, or, or somebody, right? I mean... He had to have. Yes. Or do do we think that Luke was only training Kylo? No, he no no. Everybody everybody. I think all the I think all the kids that were actively being trained at that point, I think were were people that were victims of Kylo. Yeah. So I mean, just how that experience affected Luke, uh, and how how him purposefully distancing himself, not just from. Everybody, but like from Han and Chewie and Leia and all of them, like how that affected him and just and and how much more powerful or um, force sensitive or, or whatever he is now as a result. I mean, does he does he like flinch back, you know, at the idea of using his power, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really interested to see the changes in Luke as a result of all he's been through. And we may not even figure out in this movie all he's been through. I mean, yeah, yeah, he'll be in it, but will he reveal everything about his past between uh, Return of the Jedi and when Rey comes up to him in Force Awakens? Like, that's the main thing I'm curious about, is not just Luke, but how Luke has changed. And the good news is we are we are definitely supposed to get a lot of Luke in episode eight, yeah. kind of like making up for lost time for what you didn't get in episode seven. There's supposed to be a great deal of Luke in 
episode eight. And again, if if some of the rumors are true, you're going to see you know Luke really kind of show you how powerful he is. In action. and and I mean, uh, sad sad news about Carrie Fisher and and then her mother Debbie Reynolds. Yep. But uh, I'm hoping. And I know it's selfish because I did mention it in uh, when we were talking about the Force Awakens that I really hope there's like a Leia Jedi scene, whether she's using a lightsaber or something, because I, that was one of the things I really wanted to see is evidence that before Luke started whatever he did with Kylo and those kids and all that stuff when he was training the next generation of Jedi, that some evidence that Luke spent time with Leia teaching her the ways of the force and at least in some regard because leia i don't think was ever meant to be a jedi uh in terms of like i mean just because you're force sensitive and can be a jedi doesn't mean you are a jedi i right. guess the, but that wasn't that was never her path but that it was something that she had in her back pocket that she could use um that that she just had a natural aptitude for and i just wanted to i wanted to see some sort of evidence that Luke spent time with his sister showing her all that stuff uh, and that she grasped some of it and then just kind of shoved it aside and said, well, Luke, this isn't me. This is you. Um, but the, but I, I hope that they got some of those scenes in episode eight before, uh, before Carrie died. And it's also interesting because there had been, there had been some rumors though, I guess at this point I would say I'm going to assume this is not true based on supposedly the meeting that was that took place about at Lucasfilm about trying to plot the future of Princess Leia's of Princess Leia after what happened with Carrie Fisher. But there had been rumors before that that she that that Leia died in Episode Eight. I think it's probably safe to say that based on the way it was actually constructed in film, that's not the case, or else there wouldn't be much really to talk about. If she actually, if her character died in eight, other than the fact that maybe you planned on using her, maybe she learned enough about the Force to become one with the Force, kind of like the Jedi spirit thing, so she could come back. But, but that was, but, but other than that, that was her only purpose going forward, her only on-camera time going forward. Then they wouldn't. I don't think you'd need to sit down and have a big meeting about it. So I think it suggests that she does. Her character did survive Episode Eight which now becomes a big problem to trying to figure out what exactly they're, they're going to do with that. Uh, it's always unfortunate when they do that, at least we, when that happens. Uh, at least we live in a in an era of technology where there are ways to work around it, as we will mention in Rogue One, but but we will see. I would, I kind of would, it's the Catch-22, I kind of would hate to see them edit and play around with what, what Episode Eight was supposed to be just because of that. I kind of want like to see episode eight be what it was supposed to be, and then you somehow deal with it in episode nine. But in a way, if, since episode nine is going to wrap the trilogy, it, it would kind of sort of make sense if you're going to tinker with one movie, maybe do quote unquote kill off her character. Maybe it would make more sense to tinker with eight, just so you don't have this like from a plot point of view, this albatross around your neck. You have no choice but to deal with a nine, even though it may have not have anything to do with the major story that you're trying to tell. So, we'll see. Uh, but I, I'm hoping it's, I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's really good. All right, that's going to do it for our top five list. Do we want to go into the we care less or about or the interested in? 
Uh, I don't have much in my crap list, so let me do that quick, even though I know at least one of these things is probably going to be in your middle of the road list, because I thought it actually was going to make your top list based on your initial list. Uh, Transformers, The Last Night, don't care. <laughs> do not that's care. On my, that's on my crap list. I uh, it, of my crap list, that's probably one of the ones I'm probably going to end up seeing. Yeah, that's probably one I don't I, – I, it's possible I would see that. Based on what's on my crap list, it's probably number two behind Justice League of what I might see. I haven't been a fan of any of these Michael Bay Transformers movies. I think they're crap. I mean, they're visually entertaining, but they're crap. So I, I – Cars 3, never liked the first one. That Of all the Pixar movies – of all the Pixar franchises, I think Cars is kind of, I think, clearly the worst. <laughs> They need to stop. <laughs> uh, they they just do it for the toys, I'm sure. But Power Rangers never really watched. <laughs> never really watched the show too much when I was a kid. There wasn't anything in the trailer, which I did see when I saw Rogue One the second time. Nothing to intrigue me to want to really go see it in the theater. So that's on my list. And so, and the one thing that will definitely contradict yours is uh, King. I have I have King Arthur. I have the King Arthur movie. Because, yeah, let me get. Go ahead. Let, let me get my let me get my crap list done. Uh, Power Rangers is on there as well, uh, but the only thing I'll say about that is my, I have no history with Power Rangers. I do have one fond memory, and I don't know if it's the first movie or what. But whatever movie that the White Ranger was introduced, where they're in the forest and then the, you have the White Tiger Zord and all that other stuff, that I remember fondly. Uh, otherwise, I don't care. Um, the, the other one, just concept alone, I laughed aloud when I heard it was going to be a thing. The Emoji Movie. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That that if I if that one had popped up off the top of my head or scrolling through the, I, I think I I did see it scrolling through the release schedule, but it I should you're right. I should have thrown that one in mind too. Uh, and the other one I recently saw a trailer for, The Great Wall. That's on my mediocre. That's in my middle list. That looks dumb. That looks so dumb. Uh, just like from the oddly brightly colorful Asian uh, uh, samurai armor suits uh, to the fact that they're going up against, I guess, raptors? Like a a massive army of raptors? I don't know. Uh, That's what it seemed like. You didn't really get too many close-ups of those animals, but okay. Um, That just all looks weird. Now, you mentioned King Arthur. Legend of the Sword. So my interested in list. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Um, I'm interested in, and I saw the trailer, and it, I was it, the trailer kind of put me in a middle space about it. Like I don't, I don't necessarily know how I feel about it after watching the trailer. That's why I didn't make my top five because it was just kind of in this weird floaty space for me. I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that, but. I've always had a thing for the King Arthur legend. Um, one of the, my favorite Disney movies, when I remember it exists, <laughs> because let's for, for some reason there are certain there's a certain group of those older Disney movies you kind of forget when people are listing off their favorite ones. Sword in the Stone is one of those for me. Like I just forget forget it's out there, but I do really enjoy Sword in the Stone. Um, so just the Excalibur legend, King Arthur. Stuff like that has just conceptually always been something I really enjoy. So I'm going to be curious to see how that turns out. 
I also have a huge interest in the King Arthur legend and the mythology, which is why this movie's not on my list because it's not. It's one of these mo- modernized, like this street fighting parkour version of King Arthur, which in all honesty, yeah. nobody here. This might make a little bit of money. It's possible. I don't really think it's going to make much, but it's possible. But so, there are certain characters that people don't. They don't want. The truth behind the legend kind of story, this crap. They, there's some stories that people like the legend. There's a reason why most people, we're talk, and again, Sword in the Stone is, yes, Sword in the Stone as an animated feature is cool. But there's a reason why when you look at movies that have been done about the, about the Arthur legend, there's a reason why Excalibur is, is still held in so, such high regard by people. Because that is a movie that treated, that told the story the way people are interested in the story being told, having the magic, having the myth, having the sword and the stone, having, you know, having all, having all all the elements that people, most of the elements anyway, that people really like about that about about the legend of of the Knights of the Round Table and Camelot and things like that. It's the same reason I I had other than, and along the fact along with the fact that I think Clive Owen has the personality of a, of a brick. The reason why that version of King Arthur did nothing for me when they tried to do the like a, the historic telling of King Arthur that, with you know when Kara Knightley was Guinevere and all this crap that came out like in 2000 whatever it was four or five whatever it was I think it was four it's like that's not the st- it's like when they did the Robin Hood when they did the Robin Hood story with Russell Crowe the story behind the story you know like the prologue to it but that's not what people care about you know people care about what happens when you when he becomes Robin Hood and what he d- and what he does going forward, they don't care about the events that really led him to that. If you're reading a book about it, maybe, but on the screen, you want to see Robin Hood be Robin Hood. You kind of want to see like the Errol Flynn, not Errol, that kind of aspect, that approach to telling a Robin Hood story. And that's what I think people want from a King Arthur retelling. They don't want this street, you know, the street why this, this this kind of stuff. I don't think people want that. And I think that I don't. That's why I don't think it's going to work. And I. But that's why, personally, to me, it has no has no appeal. It's not my King Arthur. That's not what I want to see. So that's that's uh, my own, that's my reason for not being for having it on my crap list. The other ones I have on my list: Wonder Woman. All I'll say about that one is trailers out, and some some great scenes, some not so great scenes. We'll see. That's kind of my synopsis about Wonder Woman. We'll see. Um, the other movie that. I'm surprised isn't on the 10 pounds of monkey crap list. It's kind of in that nether place between the interested in, in 10 pounds of monkey crap is Jumanji. I almost forgot about Jumanji. Uh, just, I'm, and I'm just going to read it cause I did take this, the time to copy it and print it out in a brand new Jumanji adventure. The tables are turned as four teenagers are sucked into Jumanji's world, pitted against rhinos, black mambas, and an endless variety of jungle traps and puzzles. To survive, they'll play as characters from the game. Meek Spencer becomes a brave explorer. Dwayne Johnson. Hulky Jock Fridge becomes a tiny genius. Kevin Hart. It Girl Bethany becomes a bookworm professor. What? It Girl, it Girl Bethany becomes a bookworm professor. Jack Black. Okay, and unathletic. Okay, uh, we'll see. And unathletic Martha becomes an Amazonian warrior. Karen Gillian to 
to beat the game and return to the real world with their lives, they'll have to start seeing things in an entirely different way. I don't know. I love Jumanji. Uh, I, I, I think this is going to be a train wreck of a movie. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see. Uh, again, it's a we'll see, but I just have such a love for the original Jumanji movie that curiosity alone is likely going to drive me to go see it. Kind of the same way I sort of knew in my heart of hearts that the Goosebumps movie was going to be shit, <laughs> but I couldn't resist going to see it anyways. <laughs> I think Jumanji timing-wise hurts because, especially since it, they started working on that relatively close to when after Robin Williams died, I don't think the timing was good. Even though it's not a remake, it's supposed to be more like a sequel, but... I uh, yeah I'm a little leery about that one too even with the rock being in it and I don't think having Jack Black in anything is a plus really not that he's horrible in everything he does I just don't think he's a plus I don't think he's ever a draw so I that make it it yeah I don't think I think that one's less likely to be successful that's kind of in the middle of the road list I think for me too the Great Wall was in my middle of the road list Ghost in the Shell which is simply out of curiosity because I have no investment at all in the original source material. Uh, Baywatch. Which is Baywatch. Baywatch has a rock, and more importantly, it has uh, Alexandria Daddario. Daddario. Alexandria yeah, well, Not in a bikini, though. She may be in a bikini some part in the movie, but she, in, in the traditional, you know, the, the red Baywatch suit, but Alexandra Daddario in anything is worth, is worth watching, because she is just uh-huh. gorgeous. Gorgeous and Part in the sexist expression, but she's built like a brick shit house, and you just—it's just hard. And she's likable. That's pretty important too. She's really, really likable. So that's that's the main that's the main reason I wanted to see San Andreas for God's sake. <laughs> you know, The Rock was in that too, but and I like San Andreas, but Alexandra Daddario is she's an up and comer. So so that's that's a middle of the road for me. Wonder Woman's middle of the road for me. The Mummy is middle of the road for me. Probably closer to not because I don't. Uh, the trailer did nothing for me. Dark Tower because I was a fan of the book, the book series. Though I'm a little leery about how their how what their approach is going to be in adapting it. And Dunkirk, Dunkirk has a little bit of an interest to me, even though most people probably have no uh, no longer even know the significance of it or what it means. So, but uh, but it's a no. It's a Christopher Nolan movie, so that alone makes it very interesting. Uh, I've got two others on my interested in list. Uh, the only reason I didn't mention them right away is because I came across them while scrolling to come up with movies for this episode. Um, the first is a movie that, depending on where you're at in the world, is already out. Uh, and depending on when you listen to this, is probably already out in the USA. It's called The Red Turtle. Have you heard about this? I don't think so. Okay, so I, I printed out the synopsis here. The Red Turtle is a 2016 animated fantasy film directed by Dutch-British animator Michael or Mikkel, maybe. I don't know. It's got the kind of sideways colon above the E. I don't know. Uh, Michael Dudok DeWitt in his feature film debut. The film is a co-production between Wild Bunch and Studio Ghibli and tells the story of a man who becomes shipwrecked on a deserted island and meets a giant red turtle, which... I saw some of the cover art animation looks pretty interesting, but also the the thing that 
interested me the most actually is the uh, the following five words: the film has no dialogue. So I'm very interested to see how that works, uh, especially in an animated sort of Studio Ghibli type film. Uh, its release date in the U.S. is January 20th of 2017. So very, very soon here. So I'm very curious to see what this film is. Um, the other is a movie called The Space Between Us. Um, and I'll read this one here. It says, Gardner Elliott, the first human born on Mars begins an online friendship with Tulsa, a teen in Colorado. On his maiden voyage to Earth, the 16-year-old finally gets to experience all the joys and wonders of a world he could only read about. Problems arise when scientists discover that Gardner's organs can't withstand the atmosphere of Earth. United with Tulsa and on the run, the interplanetary visitor races against time to unravel the mysteries of how he came to be and where he belongs in the universe. And that comes out on February 3rd. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. I just realized there was one, one before I before I wrap up mine. There's one thing I left out, which actually was in the top five. Which it was a co-five until Spider-Man fell back into my lap, and then I had to bump something. And this is like, whether this is a guilty pleasure or just because I've been watching the original so many times on Netflix, it's one of my go-to 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 movies to put on when I'm falling asleep. Something I don't have to really pay much attention to and just listen to because I've seen it so many times. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, Dead Men Tell No Tales. That almost was on my list. I'm not I'm not really intrigued by the, the, the what that Javier Bardem character or anything like that. I'm actually more, I'm usually more interested I'm more interested besides Captain Jack Sparrow with Barbosa in and Mr. Gibbs and the fact that Orlando Bloom is going to be back as well and depending on how big a role he's supposed to have in the movie is debatable but I don't think it's a cameo so I think it's that intrigues me more especially after having watched the original so many times lately but I know most I know most people's interest at least in the US has faded out dramatically <laughs> in that franchise but but I, I, I still I still like it for, for the most part I didn't think the fourth one was so bad I thought the fourth one at least kind of got the tone a little bit more like the first one was I think they went off the rails in the second, in the, especially the second Pirates movie, because what makes Captain Jack Sparrow a likable character is that, yeah, he's a pirate, but essentially, deep down, he wants to do the right thing. He's kind of the heart of gold kind of concept. In the second movie, they kind of went away with that because he was so obsessed with getting rid of the curse and what he owed Davy Jones that he started doing crappy things and setting people up and, cra and doing things that just made him unlikable, and that kind of took away from that character, so... I think they got it. They tried to get it back on track in three and at World's End, but I think the fourth one was the closest to the original Jack Sparrow. I think that we've seen. So it's a guilty pleasure. I like that franchise, and so that's it. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for at least the stuff I printed out. Yeah, it's a good list. All right, what else? So let's 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 do. And we will try to keep this relatively brief since we've been on doing this this episode for a while. Uh, Rogue One. Uh, obviously, Rogue One's been out for about a month or about a month now. Uh, so what did you think of Rogue One? Uh, I'll say here kind of what I told my uh, brother-in-law, Gary, when I called him and my sister the other day and just to catch up, and he told me they were on their way to go see it. 
uh, and I told him I had already saw it on Christmas Day. Uh, they, I, I told him for a movie where you know how it has to end, it's still pretty darn good. Like, I mean, there there are select few movies that come out in this sort of a way where you're like, I know how it has to end. It has to end in this specific way. And because you already know what you know about A New Hope and, and the original trilogy, you know how Rogue One has to end. And, you know, even for me, I know that this this the, the ending to Rogue One has been changed. I, I, I'm assuming we're going to go into some spoiler-like yeah, details of course. here. I, I know that the ending to Rogue One has changed a bunch from what we ended up getting to what it was initially supposed to be. But... For me personally, I knew going into it that all the main characters were had to die. Now, according to stuff I've read online, that wasn't always going to be the case. But for me, it was like, you can make these characters the most dynamic, lovable characters. But even if you... I mean, to support a movie, you have to make your audience like these characters. I mean, you, you, there's no other choice. To support a, an entire feature film... You have to love the main characters. And there's no way you could leave those characters alive at the end of this film and not have everybody wanting more of them. You had to kill them. Otherwise, people are going to have to be wondering, well, where are they during the events of, you know, yes. you know, uh, uh, the other three movies? So I, to me, there was always no choice but to kill those characters. Now, according to everything you've been, I've been reading... Maybe that wasn't always the case, but for me, they always had to die. Um, but uh, I don't know. It was it was pretty good. The uh, I kind of feel like it, the uh, modern technology actually hurt this film a little bit for me personally, just because I'm so used to Star Wars in a certain light that I'm purposely watching this film and I'm thinking about it in terms of the original trilogy. And I'm looking at like the Christmas, the not, not the crisp, Christmas, the Christmas. crisp, yes, crispness of the scenes involving all, just all the Star Wars stuff, the Death Star, and you know all the, all, you know the, the destructive power of of the Death Star when it, you know, starts, it doesn't destroy a planet, but it kind of hide, you know, <laughs> wipes out half of one. <laughs> uh, you know when you see like the the ground crumbling, exploding towards you and all of these things that it's hard for me to think about it in terms of it taking place before the first uh, Star Wars film that I think the, the CGI, the, 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 the crispness of the movie hurt it in some regard for me. But otherwise, I thought it was a great visual-looking movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed what I saw. I enjoyed the shout-outs I saw. Um, some of the shout-outs actually really fit perfectly into the film. It's odd to me. A lot of people were really praising Tarkin. Uh, and I do praise that role. But to me, he, he definitely looked CG. Uh, and some people are saying, no, no, he looked really good. It's Leia who looked CG. Um, for me, me personally, it's opposite. Tarkin looked 100% CG to me. Uh, I could tell immediately. Every time I watched him, it was sort of distracting to me that he looked so CG. For me, I thought Leia looked pretty good. 
granted, we only saw her for X amount of time, but <clears throat> I, for me, I guess I thought it was odd that I had the opposite reaction that it seemingly everybody else did. Um, but, and of course, just like everybody else, I love the droid. Yeah, yeah. K2SO <laughs> was one of the highlights of the movie. Along with yeah, Donnie sure. Yen. Donnie Yen was the other, I think. Oh, yes, yes. That's something I, um, Ryan Daly is doing a sort of tribute episode, I guess, to Carrie Fisher type of a thing. Um, and uh, he asked for a lot of people to kind of write in what their thoughts are um, on, on Carrie and stuff like that. And one of the things I said to, uh, I wrote to Ryan to read on his show, and I don't know when it'll be airing, so hopefully be- hopefully before I we air this episode, <laughs> just so that he can have that commentary to himself for a little bit. Um, what Carrie Fisher, I, I don't have this tied to the Star Wars universe that you or like that Ryan Daly does, but... Carrie Fisher, to me, represented something very, 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 very specific about Star Wars. And the, the one thing she represented to me was the Force. And the reason I say this, and, I, and I, I believe I mentioned this when we were talking about The Force Awakens at one point, either in, I don't know, I don't know when we spoke about it, <clears throat> but I've said it before on the show, is Leia... The character of Leia has the most pivotal role to me in terms of the Force is she has, during during Empire Strikes Back, she has no idea that Luke is her brother. She has no idea, unless there's something mentioned in the EU somewhere, that she is even remotely attuned to the Force. Uh, or has a, or that her family, that her original family is attuned to the Force. But Luke is hanging beneath Cloud City and calls out to Leia, and she hears it, or feels it, however you want to say it, and not only does she hear it, feel it, but she immediately reacts to it as if it's 100% fact. She trusts it. And to me, lightsabers and moving stuff with your mind and stuff like that, that's all cool, but to me the Force is just this thing out there that you just feel and attunes you to everything in and around you and to one another. And that is the force to me. And that moment where Leia feels that and just trusts it instinctively is one of the best moments for me in terms of that side of the force. So characters like, uh, I forget his name, the, 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 the one you just mentioned, but sure. It's like sure anyway or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that 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 guy, he's not a Jedi. He's not. He just is in tune with the Force. And you know, I you know, it, what does he say? I believe in the Force or whatever. I am one with the Force and the Yeah, right, that. I am, yes. I, I am one of the Force and the Force is one with me or uh, the Force is with me or something yes. like that. That it, it, characters like that embody the force so that's why i really glommed on to that character and i really like and i'm curious by like maz kanata uh from force awakens is because they're not necessarily jedi but the way they in which they are connected with the force embodies what the force is to me so i immediately glom on to them as opposed to specific jedi and it all started with leia in that moment in empire strikes back so that's that's when you mentioned that character, I had to go on that tangent because 
that that's part of the reason I really like that character in, in Rogue One. But otherwise, it was a great movie. I know we've been going on really long in that episode, so in this episode, so I'll try not to go along any longer. But I really did enjoy Rogue One for all the stuff I mentioned, plus the introduction of that new and I guess now dead character. <laughs> I think CGI wise, I I am with the consensus. I thought I think everything they all looked CGI. Tarkin more of it, I think, because of the eyes. I think that's one of the harder. I think that's one of the harder things to do. But I think it looked good. Tarkin looked like Chris, like Peter Cushing, so it worked. I think I do think the Carrie Fisher was bad. I don't think I don't think it worked. Uh, I think they would have been better off not doing a full shot of her face, either doing, either leaving her leaving her cloak up and just having her speak from behind, or turn her head slightly to the camera. I think they would have been better off doing something like that, based on the way it, it actually came out. I think that looks that looked more fake to me. I, uh, Tarkin, I was fine with, but Tar it was easier to accept Tarkin because Tarkin, you got Star Wars fans knew Tarkin was going to be in this movie for a long time because they had they had, Lucasfilm had reached out to, to Peter Cushing's family, you know, a long time in advance to to have permission to be able to recreate him for for this role, uh, his role in this movie. So, I did like I the, they did a lot of a lot of call a lot of callbacks a lot of uh, Easter eggs I liked that I liked you know, I liked these, the the Obi Wan throw out when Mon Mothma and, and Bell Organa are talking about you know, basically your Jedi friend you know who's been in you know he's been in hiding but blah, blah 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 he'll you know uh, I'll get word to him and then you make it then they make it clear that it's going to be you know then then, then Bell Organa of course is referencing Leia when he goes you know she, I'll, I would trust her with my life that she's going to be the one. I also like. Sometimes I also like when people try to be out, try to be out a little too clever, and they try to think they catch people or in making a mistake in continuity by they go and go. Oh, couldn't they have been talking about? Couldn't they have been talking about Yoda? Except, well, Yoda never really served under Bail Organa in the Clone Wars. But if you want to move beyond that, have you friggin' seen A New Hope? <laughs> It's like, I understand, like, your generation, let's say, is not as well, I mean, everybody, they may know the line, but it doesn't resonate the same way my, with my generation, the whole, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, that thing. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the whole point of, the whole thing in Star Wars was that Leia was trying to get, the, was trying to get R2 to Obi-Wan once, once, once they were under siege, that's what she was trying to do. She was going to reach out to him probably anyway, but once they were on, once they, she knew there was no way she was going to be able to deliver that anywhere, that was what she was trying to do. She was trying, and plus the whole hologram that plays, you, know, you served my father in the Clone Wars. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, people, just like some people wanted to be clever and said, oh, why was, wasn't it a problem that when, you know, when Red Squadron was attacking, you know, what, that Biggs wasn't part of it, that Luke's friend Biggs wasn't part of it. It's like, well, no, if you know Star Wars, if you know the original movie, if you know this, what was cut out of it, if you know this, the, the script, I mean, the screenplay, the book, the comic adaptation, that Biggs is on Tatooine in the beginning of, in the beginning of Star Wars. Luke is actually watching that blockade runner battle with his binoculars, and, he's ta- and he mentions it to Biggs, I think, at Anchorhead. So people know Biggs is actually not with, with the Rebel fleet at that time, so he shouldn't have been part of that attack. But it was cool how they had, they used the archival footage of Red Leader and Gold Leader to tie that in. And how they had red, how they had the original, maybe not the original, but the current Red Five blow up, just so they so Luke could get the call sign of Red Five. That was one of those little things he didn't need to do, but it was kind of cool that he did. <laughs> that worked. I thought Jin Erso was disappointing. I thought for 
I think for all the hype and all the buildup about how, you know, making her like going to be the Ray of this movie, that she wasn't. I don't think her character was as well developed. I think her 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 switch in motivations all of a sudden was a little forced. I think I just don't think her character was as she's likable and she's certainly attractive, but I don't think she's as compelling as Ray was, and I don't think based on your our expectation of her being, you know, being the main, the, being the heroine, being the main character. I don't think she was as successful in that role as you know K2SO or or MOA or even uh, even maybe uh, Andor there, uh, Cassian Andor. So I don't think that necessarily worked as well as we were. I guess we were led to believe it was going to work. I don't know. The Vader stuff, I liked the Vader stuff for what it was. I thought I did think it was a really interesting stylistic choice to not have. Uh, they tell you the name of almost every planet that you're on, but then when they get to Mustafar, where Vader has his castle, they don't bother telling you that it's Mustafar. Except, and it is Mustafar because it's been confirmed that it's Mustafar. But just oh yeah, I knew right away what that. Yeah, was. Yeah, you knew what it looked like, but I guess there's another there's another lava or volcanic volcanic planet some people thought it could have been i immediately said this looks like this looks like you know it looks like mustafar but they don't but they don't tell you that i like the fact that he's soaking in the back to tank trying you know doing what he has you know the things that he has to go through to to maintain some sense of not just mobility but some sense of being able to exist that was that was a nice touch uh see if you don't mind me interrupting you know one of the reasons the the specific stuff with vader I get why people, some of them have a problem with it, but the reason I'm glad he's there for the scenes he's there is because you kind of get the feeling of the Force throughout this movie, just in terms of its general presence in the universe, people saying things like, the Force be with you, and the guy saying, you know, I'm one with the Force, the Force is with me, that kind of a thing. But you get a real sense of how rare and how powerful the Force is when a Jedi enters the scene, or a Sith, in this case. I mean, like, when Vader just Force chokes a dude and, and, and in front of you on screen, in this particular movie, it's more meaningful slash powerful than it is in a movie already filled with Jedi-like stuff. That's true. That, that is true. There's very, since that is one of the rare mo- there's a lot of talk of the Force in the movie, but there's, that's the closest thing you get to some of your traditional use of the Force because it, that was one of the harder, that, one of the bigger selling points, more problematic potential selling points of this movie that you were not going, that you knew you were not going to have, you know, a lightsaber battle in this movie, which is something that stands out like a sore thumb in, in Star Wars, you know, war. And and chronolo- going through the chronological order of things, I think you're right. I think you're flipping switch something else you said. <clears throat> I think you're right about knowing how the characters end up, but yet the ca- but the story but the story works, which I guess I mean I don't hate the prequels the way a lot of people do, but you can dir- directly com- can contrast this prequel with episodes one through three and saying that succeed Rogue One succeeded where to no matter how much you want to cut the prequels some slack where the prequels failed because again you all knew we knew where the prequels were going to have to end but and I'm not saying you didn't care about anybody in the prequels but it didn't make the journey a sat you didn't feel as satisfied in the journey in Rogue One you felt satisfied with the journey even though you knew they were going to die 
especially because you knew yeah. they weren't like everything else. It's easier to know to deal with their sacrifice and their death when you know they didn't die in vain. Yeah, that they ultimately, you know, they succeeded in, you know, and and I do like the fact that you get that you got the space battle, you know, on Sarif above it anyway, Sarif, uh, which of course is the battle that's referenced in the opening crawl of Star Wars of of New Hope about the you know having but the rebels having won their first victory over the Empire. That that was a nice touch. Uh, one thing, <clears throat> one thing I noticed, and this is what I know people hate. But going back and tweak, you know, the, the Lucas thing about going back and tweaking the old movies after. But I thought about this at the time when when it happened. When I first saw Rogue One. Now, you know, the Imperial March is Darth Vader's theme. The Imperial March we know first appeared in Episode Five, based on the way the order the movies were made. But now, if you look at the way they go in chronological order, they actually had the they had the Imperial March at the end of Episode Two, which I thought was inappropriate when the clone troopers were getting were loading up on Coruscant to start going off into the galaxy. I thought that was inappropriate. Actually, they had used it earlier in that movie when when Anakin's telling Padme about killing the, the Tusken Raiders. But I thought they used it inappropriately at the end. But it first showed up in Episode Two. Obviously, it shows up in Episode Three. It shows up in Rogue One. It shows up in Episode Five. It shows up in Episode 6. So really, from the sake of continuity, they kind of really should have the Imperial March, even if it's subtly in the background, be in the beginning of Star Wars when Vader enters that blockade runner now. Because now it stands out like a sore thumb because it's the only movie that Vader appears in that they don't have it in. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. I just it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a created, it's a created continuity problem now. It wasn't at the time. But now it is kind of like when how they had how it made every sense in the world to replace uh, the monkey-faced emperor from the original Empire with uh, Ian McDermott as Palpatine because now you know what the emperor looks like. So you have it's a continuity problem if he doesn't look the same as he did in Episode three, in Episode six, in Episode five. So that's something they might at some point end up wanting to tweak just because it it it's something people are going to notice. They may not not everyone will care, but it does. When you have a theme for a certain character, and this is the first time he shows up in that movie, and you don't have it, but he's, but every other movie he's in, it does. That's kind of is a problem, but not a huge one. But I liked it. I thought it was be- it was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought, especially since I didn't have a huge interest in seeing the story they wanted to, they were going to give us in this movie. I think it worked out well, and it certainly it does raise the bar pretty high, not just for Episode Eight, but for the next, you know, for what the Han Solo solo. Star Wars story movie, which is going to have a lot of pressure on it anyway because of the Harrison Ford thing. That's going to have a lot of pressure on it. It's going to have, for me, it's going to have a lot of pressure just because it's got Childish Gambino as Lando, so. Oh, Donald Glover there or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it's going to, I think that's a harder sell. It's a harder, I, that. a lot of people, I mean, it can be done, because let's be honest, I mean, even though it's, he was an iconic character, but people understand we're not as tied, I think, especially when you go back and you're thinking about the story that had to be told. You know, Alec Guinness was Obi-Wan for the longest time, and no one ever thought, you know, that's who you thought of. But obviously Ewan McGregor has made that role just as much his, if not more, than you, than Alec Guinness. So it's possible. But, it's, but Harrison Ford has been Han Solo for so long, for so many movies, and he's still alive. <laughs> Knock on wood, he's still alive. Uh, so that's gonna be that's gonna be 
that's going to be a tough one. It's going to really be tough. That's going to have to be a really good story, and I think it, for that for that to work, I they do have a lot of goodwill now because of Rogue One. So I think that's so. But we'll we'll see. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, I think we can wrap it up. It's been a good but long episode. All right. Well, how can people get a hold of us? Can email us at Email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, visit our website, lanterncast.com. Access our Wingcyclopedia episodes, our movie reviews, our blogs, our Dark Star reviews, pretty much everything up to date. We try to keep you up to date between uh, any all of those things between our Facebook posts and, and our website. We do a good job there. Speaking of Facebook, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those iTunes and Stitcher, we are on both, so please listen to us on either or, and leave us positive reviews on whichever platform you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708 Lantern, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.